Imagine a woman in the ancient world who all of her life longed to have children. She married young, maybe around the age of 15. At age 16, still no pregnancy. At 20, still no pregnancy. At 25, imagine how she prayed. By 30, imagine her anxiety as her prayers were mixed with tears of shame and disappointment. At 40, imagine hope slipping away as she wondered if it even made sense to pray anymore. Imagine her sense of loss and regret at age 50. Why pray now? This is the story of Sarah, the wife of Abraham, as told in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And this story was echoed in the Gospel of Luke. Luke tells of a woman named Elizabeth who was married to a priest. They prayed and prayed for a child, but a child never came. Then one day when her husband Zechariah was in the temple doing his priestly duties, he had a vision from an angelic messenger saying that his prayers would be answered, that Elizabeth would give birth to a son. Zechariah couldn't believe this. He said, I'm so old, and my wife, she's very old as well. The angel told him that because of his doubt, he would not be able to speak until the baby had been born. These stories of of Sarah and Elizabeth, they they mirror the experience of the Jewish people. Their prophets had inspired them to dream of a better day. And their prophecies were a call back to that first promise that God gave Abraham, that he would make him a great nation and that everyone would be blessed through his descendants. This was a great promise and became an identity marker for the Jewish people. But these promises and prophecies had been delayed thwarted, frustrated, and delayed again until maybe it seemed ridiculous to keep the dream alive. After all, if God's promises haven't come true for hundreds or if not thousands of years, will they ever come true? It'd be like the perhaps maybe overused uh, TV trope of of the kid um, whose dad works too much. It's his birthday and and in the morning the dad wakes up and he's like, son, I'll be there tonight for your party. And then the dad goes off to work and we know what happens next. Something happens, the dad can't come, so the dad calls mom and it's like, I'm not going to be able to make it to the party. And then mom's like, you're telling him. Like, I'm not telling him again. And then uh, the dad doesn't come home. Kid is super sad and disappointed year after year after year. I mean, Israel, they'd been promised this future where everyone would be blessed through them, where swords would be turned into plowshares, where justice would roll down. But generation after generation, nothing seemed to change much. And the dream and the hope maybe seemed impossible. We all experience this sense of frustration and despair at certain times in our lives. We have dreams for our lives, for our future, for the world. Maybe we had the feeling that that God would do something by now, but but it is now and and God hasn't done what we had hoped. We've heard stories of Jesus coming to earth, of hope for all people, of this massive change coming. We've heard it year after year after year, and maybe this year kind of just the story seems stale to you. Maybe it's the same thing you're hearing for the hundredth time. Like the Jewish people, maybe like Sarah, like Elizabeth, maybe we're wondering what's the point in keeping the dream alive. We're, we're in a time where there's so much violence and hatred, where, where truth, where facts don't seem to matter. In the latest round of news this, for the past month or two has been this, this sexual harassment by men in power. 
of entertainment, there's Harvey Weinstein, Louis C.K., Matt Lauer. In the government, there's Al Franken, Roy Moore. There have been lots of apologies and firings and shows and movies being canceled, made all the weirder by the fact that, uh, that our president was, was accused by plenty of women of sexual harassment and was on tape bragging about it, and yet he was still elected president. It's in times like these that can be overwhelming. It seems like there's no logic, like there's no order or reasoning or integrity or truth. There's nothing to ground us. As I've said already, this is the first Sunday of Advent. We await the coming of our Savior. And as Christians, we are always Advent people as we always await the coming of Jesus into, into our lives and into our world. I think Advent becomes part of our rhythm, really like a dress rehearsal for how we live the rest of the year as we always prepare for Jesus to come into our lives. And see, what is so great about Advent is that that in times like these where it seems like there is no hope, times like for Israel, they've been waiting for this promise for generations, for Elizabeth and Sarah have been waiting for a child for so long that they may have given up hope. It's in times like these where the impossible happens. From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God, and now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The promises from this angel, this messenger, they echoed the promises of the prophets from long ago. Promises of a leader who would bring hope and a new time to the present. And Mary couldn't believe it. She said, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel replied, for nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary went to see Elizabeth, and they greet each other, and then we have this great song of Mary. It says, my, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. 
Mary's song, like the promise from the angel, is filled with Old Testament references, with God bringing down the powerful, with God lifting up the lowly, and all according to the promise that he made to Abraham and his descendants. And this song was Mary recognizing the work of God through her as part of God's saving work in the world. An angel appeared to her and said, the impossible is going to happen, and she responded with incredible openness and joy. Even though her people had heard these promises for thousands and thousands of years, there was something in her that she believed this time would be different. That somehow she was a part of the saving work of God today. What do you think about the story? I'm sure you've heard it year after year after year of, of a virgin giving birth to, to a child. I, I, I teach a Bible class throughout the week and I asked what they thought about this, if they thought it actually happened as it, it was written. And most of them kind of said, they said no. And, and I, don't, I said, I don't think it actually happened like that. And I pressed them. I said, like, why? What, what makes you think that? And they said, well, I used to gr- think it growing up, but now I just don't anymore. They didn't really have much of a reason other than that. See, in our world today, our, our scientific minds make us, make us think something like this is impossible, that it could never happen. And I'm sure this is a growing trend in our culture. But maybe these questions of whether it really happened or not are, are kind of missing the point. That the story of Mary, this one we hear every single December, it's not one we should kind of observe from afar or examine or poke lots of holes in or dissect, but it's one that we should seek to copy and, and emulate in our own lives. Because if these stories, if they don't have an impact on how we live, then, then what's the point? Mary's story, while, while it can be a simple story and a story we've heard lots of times, um, maybe think about it a little bit different. I, I have it broken up into, into three main realities that maybe you can think about this Advent season. There's, there's external reality to the story, there's the internal reality, and then the transformed reality to the story. The external reality is her encounter with the angel, her encounter with the messenger of God, the way that God sometimes comes into our lives as a projectile and shakes everything up. And in, from this encounter, her, her internal reality was changed as, as she was pregnant and found herself literally nourishing the child of God in her womb. And she then gave birth to a child who did not just speak of healing, who did not just speak of love, but, but whose very life was a message of love. And through his death and resurrection, he transformed reality. See, this pattern is something we can copy as we've all had an encounter with God at some time in our life, where, whether through another person or through, through something, God came and maybe um, opened your eyes or your heart to something new. This would be the external reality. There's also the internal reality that from this encounter, something in your inmost being is changed if you say yes, as Mary did, to this encounter from God. And then as we nourish God in our womb like Mary did, um, through our, the hope is that our lives, that our words, that our deeds would be transformed by this love, by this incoming of God into our lives so that our lives would be transformed and so that the world would be transformed. God has chosen to work through people and God is placing this call of the impossible on each of our lives. 
And we can choose to ignore it, we can choose to deny it, we can choose to say it's not possible, or like Mary, we can respond with a joyful yes. A yes of hope that says the dream is not dead, that says that God is still here and God is up to something and I'm so glad I can be a part of it. Because in our world today, with our scientific minds, a virgin birth could be simply impossible. But what if that's the point? What if the point of these stories is to blur the line between what we think is possible and what we think is impossible? Could there ever come a time, like in Mary's song, where the people in power, where the rulers will be brought down from their thrones? Could there ever come a time where the humble will be lifted up? Could there come a time where the hungry will no longer be hungry? Could there come a time where justice will be brought Could there come a time where our swords will be turned into plowshares or maybe our our weapons would be turned into something that actually could help people instead of hurt people? Could there come a time where people would turn to God instead of their own selfish nature? When we think of some of these possibilities, if our answer is never, this could never happen, it's impossible, then maybe we need to think again. Because maybe it's not too late for something impossible something beautiful to be born. I think the point of these pregnancy stories of Elizabeth, of Mary, of Sarah, is to challenge us to hope. To challenge us to hope that the seemingly impossible is possible. And they challenge ourselves to align ourselves with with all of the impossible possibilities that, that are right there in every moment of our lives. So this evening and this season, I I pray and and I hope that we can um, practice kind of standing with Mary, of saying yes to to the impossible and and really prepare ourselves to receive this coming of God. And as we do this, um, this is what we're going to do tonight, is we're going to hopefully, we're going to hope alongside Mary. Mary after God came, her song is full of hope for what God was going to do through her, in her life, and in the world. And so you're each given um, a piece of paper as you walked in, and a pen, hopefully. Um, As um, the worship team, Carl, Emma, and Jessica, play this next song, um, take a minute or two and and write down maybe a a hope or two that, that you have Um, for yourself, for your own life, that maybe you would want God to do in your own life, or a hope that what you would want God to do in the world, in the future, maybe through you, or just maybe even bigger, or outside of yourselves.